Let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. Well, praise the Lord tonight, saints. Welcome again to another wonderful time of Bible study. We thank God for you joining us in this cyber sanctuary as we once again lift up the name of our God. I'm excited to have you join us tonight. I pray that you get your Bibles out. Let's get ready to study the Word of God. We're going to open up the book and just ask the Lord to speak to us afresh tonight. Uh, let's pray. Father, we just love you and we honor you. We bless you. We thank you for who you are, and we ask that this word will go across with power, with dynamite, and we pray someone will hear and find in you a refuge and a hiding place in the time of trouble, and we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, saints, we've been looking for the last few weeks from Psalm 46 and we've been using it as a sort of a foundational scripture, verse 10, that beginning portion there, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. This again is the quiet mind for troubled times. This is the ninth iteration of this message, and I want to raise up this idea again about our relationship with God, about who God is to us. I have been on Sunday working through the idea that we can trust God. And the reason we can trust God is he is our shepherd. And in understanding how to trust God, we can survive even through this tumultuous period of time. And tonight I want to I wanna talk to you, uh, especially those of you who are believers, but everyone in general, about what it means to you that you have experienced God in your life. Uh, you, you, there's no need to be still and know that he is God if you don't have a relationship with God. But in truth, most of you who will give any heed to this teaching, you come from the settled place of having experienced God. You've experienced God. Um, for many of you, you, you were in worship and you gave your life to God. You gave your life to him. You received him as your savior. Some of you have received the gift and the spirit of the Holy Ghost. and You have an experience with God. Some of you have gone even further. You have experienced God in a charismatic way. You have felt the anointing come upon your life. Some of you have danced in the spirit. Some of you have praised God with with a robustness and a greatness. You, you have exuberant, exuded the joy of the Lord and have found it to be your strength. Some of you have fallen out in the spirit. Some of you experience God in dreams and in visions. Some of you have experienced God in, in an impression in your spirit in what we sometimes describe as a still small voice. I want to talk about this experiential theology. That is the theology of experience because it is, it is this unitive experience with God, that unitive union experience with God. And once you know it, 
you realize it can't be duplicated in any other experience. Once you've experienced God in the fullness, you realize it cannot be duplicated in any other experience. You can get close, but only in the experience with God. In union, can you know? Only in the experience of God, in complete union with God, can you really know? Be still and know. But only in that experience, it, it is experiential. And, and in truth, believers, we, we as Christians believe that matter, that is material things, matter and spirit coexist. Matter and spirit coexist and our goal when we pray and in contemplation or even in sanctification and every other area what we are trying to do is to make matter not matter so as to experience the spirit to the fullest we want to make matter flesh carnality the soulish mind, not matter, so that we may experience the spirit to the fullest. That's what fasting and praying is all about. It's all about creating an atmosphere for, for what, what is best described as a unitive experience, a union between God and humanity. In order to get to that unitive experience, matter has to be pushed aside so that it does not matter. In order that one can have a spirit experience. And, and if you want to press this claim even further, some will, will, will ask, Jesus says, uh, that we are to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and visit them that are prison bound. And the reality is that, that all of that, those things that he asks of those of us who are not in that position, the things he asks of us to do are done with the intention, watch this now, with the intention of making matter not matter. So that if I'm hungry, it's hard for me to want to pray. If I'm thirsty, it's hard for me to want to be spiritual. If I'm naked, it's hard for me to want to be in union and in a unitive relationship with God. It's all in preparation to make it feasible and possible for someone to have the divine union. So that in, in reality, we are seeking to help them to become candidates for the realization of the fullness of God. And what I'm doing here tonight is I'm trying to help you to become better disciples for the fuller realization of the fullness of God. I, I use the word fullness of God. And, and in truth, the fullness of God is epitomized in word, worship, and witness. Now, don't take these words the way you normally would define them because word I do mean scripture but I also mean it as a double entendre to be word from God direct experience worship I do mean singing and praise and all of the other things that go on but I also mean silence witness I do mean preaching, but I also mean the receiving of the Holy Spirit. When I say that the fullness of God is epitomized in receiving of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to teach you a principle that's going to mess some of you up tonight, so stay with me closely. 
those who have received the Holy Spirit, and some, many of you have received it with glossolalia, the speaking in tongues. If you think about it close enough, it was the first time when you had a non-rational relationship. A non-cognitive, conscious relationship with God. So that that which filled you spoke through you words that you did not learn or study. The experience of which, if one gets, is honest about it, that experience is really one of the times where you have no conscious control, meaning soul control, over the action. That first experience, second experience, third experience. But I need to help you. This is going to bless somebody now. The only problem is I cannot keep that as determinative of a spiritual experience because what starts out in spirit enters into soul and my soul, my conscious mind is, has filled with memory. Therefore, that which started out as unknown now becomes known to my conscious mind and therefore I can therefore shift into speaking in tongues with or without unction. Because the tongue, once completely unknown to the soul, can be learned. Which is why it becomes no demarcation of whether one is being moved by spirit or not. Those of you who, are, who have been matured in God, you will get this. There are times when you are speaking in your flesh and you feel unction come on you. And you will blurt out your, 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 your prayer language. You'll you blurt it out. And, and it will be like, oh, I didn't mean that. that the, the, that's the quickening. But there are other times when you, when you just know you need to pray in your prayer language. You, you're speaking and you are entering into presence. Yes, you are. But that's from your soulish mind and not necessarily from the spirit. Unction or what prompts it is the demarcation and the separation. I tell people all the time I need to realize that this spirit that God has given me this and in and, and two Sundays, not this Sunday, next Sunday, the following Sunday, we, we enter into Pentecost Sunday, the celebration of the 50 days past the resurrection. And that Pentecost Sunday, we're going to celebrate the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. I will break from my sermon on the Psalms to talk about this Holy Spirit. But before I get there, let me, let me tell you this, that it's important. Everything that you do Related to the Spirit of God in you is a direct result of the Holy Spirit residing and being given dominance and control of the soul. So that the voice of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit, the comfort of the Spirit, the guidance of the Spirit can now speak to the soul. And the soul now is comforted by that which the Spirit of the living God is doing through God's Holy Spirit. I, and one of the problems with an immature believer is that he or she has not yet understood how to tap into Spirit. And how to understand the deeper things of God. So you're walking around fleshy. And you don't know how to tap into the anointing. Come, come with me a little further. I, I know I'm, 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 I'm taking you somewhere tonight. I want to bless your mind tonight. 
If you want the quiet mind for troubled minds, you need to know who you are. And, and, in, and, 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 and in truth, I'm good, thank you. And in truth, you need to stop the foolishness. Um, the Apostle Paul tried to teach this to the Corinthian church. He said to them, he said, you all have been caught up in all kinds of sec sectarianism. That, that's the word it is, sectarianism. I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm, I'm of this one, I'm of that one. Y'all having these petty arguments. And, and, and it doesn't have to be sectarianism as in the Corinthian church experience, but it's anything that will get you off of what God wants you to be doing instead of worshiping and coming into full knowledge of what God wants for you. And so the first thing, I've got three things tonight. The first thing I want to help you to do in getting to this transformative place and the part of this transformative process that I'm going to teach is to understand who you are. So number one, you need to know your identity. Your identity. Yeah, hold that for a moment. You need to know your identity. The problem with people, if you don't know who you are, then you're liable to act outside of who you are. And some of us right now are acting like we don't know who we are. So go with me now. First Corinthians chapter 2. Paul weighs in on their sectarian argument, and I'm going to look at it in the Amplified Version. Here it goes. The Amplified Version, beginning verse 6. Paul says to them, yet we do speak wisdom among those spiritually mature. Let me stop again. I'm only talking tonight to the spiritually mature or those who want to be spiritually mature. I, I told last week some of y'all, which is in chapter 3 of this, of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 3 says some of y'all, I can only give you milk because you couldn't handle meat. And I, I saw someone told me the other night said, well, I'm not quite on milk and I'm not quite on meat. I'm somewhere like oatmeal right now. Let me come on, spiritually mature. <laughs> Talk spiritually mature. Believers who have teachable hearts and a greater understanding. <laughs> but it is a higher wisdom, not the wisdom of the present age, nor of the rulers and leaders of this age who are passing away. The wisdom we're speaking of has nothing to do with what's going on in secular society right now. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom once hidden, God's wisdom in mystery once hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God that wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to glory, to lift us into the glory of his presence. Let me stop right there. What you have to understand is that if you will function in spirit, you will be able to tap in to that which was, that which will be, and that which is present. You will have a connection to time eternal. The hidden things, the deeper wisdom, the truth of God. Oh, help me somebody. Here he says, he says, I'll give you the hidden wisdom. Revealed to us by God, that wisdom which God predestined before the ages. And let me say, say this again. God wants to reveal some things to you. To lift us into the glory of his presence. The idea is that he wants to lift us. Watch this now. He can't lift you in your flesh into his presence because his presence is not flesh. Your flesh is for the earth. The only thing that can be lifted into the presence of God is your spirit. And he wants to lift us into his presence. None of the rulers of this age recognized and understood this wisdom. For if they had, they would not have, have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written in scripture, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and which has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him, and who gratefully recognize the benefit that he has bestowed. For God has unveiled them, unveiled, revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit, 
For the Spirit searches all things diligently and sounding, measuring, and the profound depths of God, the divine counsels, and things far beyond human understanding. The Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit has information beyond human understanding. Stop right there for a moment. Hold your line. Don't, don't lose the placement right there. Because you have to understand, if you want to get what God has, you've got to be willing to go where God is. If you want to get what God has, you've got to be willing to go where God is. You've got to be willing to go into the presence of God. You've got to be willing to spend time in the presence of God. You've got to be willing to get quiet in the presence of God, to be still in the presence of God. Let me tell you something, that presence is fullness of joy, but you can't get to the fullness of joy. See, some of us want to jump on the joy before we get to the presence. We think this is a party. Just turn the music on and the joy comes. Well, even at the party, the joy don't come because the music's on. Only those people that enjoy dancing will get up and dance around, but you let them get some spirits in them. The joy is related to the spirit that they're functioning under. Patron, Hennessy. They got a spirit. They just ain't. Okay, I'm sorry. The, 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 the spirit, if you want to get what God has, you've got to be in the presence where God is. Verse 11. What person knows the thoughts of motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have the, received not the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. Listen, let me tell you something. God wants you. He invites you into his presence. And he does that through his spirit. <sighs> let, me, let me do it again. Verse 13, we also speak of these things, not in words taught or supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words for those being guided by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. If you're not being guided by the Spirit, you're guided by the flesh. You're guided by your carnal mind. And let me, let me just, be, let's just be clear here. You have spent a lifetime taking directions from your carnal mind. So your flesh has been giving you all kinds of directions all your life. You're used to getting directions from your flesh. You're used to your, your carnal mind thinking for you. It, it, it's, it's functional. It's been working well. And now all of a sudden, I come up here telling you that the way you've been thinking is not right. I'm telling you now, it's time to do a reorientation. You've got to revamp how you process because you can reach right conclusions with a bad process. But you can never get to a wrong conclusion with the presence of God. But the natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teaching and the revelations. Now watch why he doesn't accept them of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness. They are absurd and illogical to him. He is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated, and he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. He's, un he's incapable of getting what we're talking about now. The flesh can't get this. Somebody will listen to this on YouTube sometime later, and they'll say, I don't understand what he's talking about, because you're trying to hear me in your flesh. If you, if you quiet down and listen to me with your spirit, your spirit will identify truth. Your spirit will recognize the anointing in the deliverer. Your spirit will recognize the truth of what's being said. Now listen to me, saints. Because of the spirit of God in you, you automatically have a, have a discernment mechanism in your spirit. You walk up to some people and everybody else could be in love with them and you're like, mm -mm, I don't know about that one. I don't understand it. You know, I love dogs. You, you, the dogs, I love dogs, I love dogs. Dogs have a certain instinctive discernment. If somebody ain't right, 
a dog, you, you bring him in the room, that dog be nice to everybody. And then somebody walk over with an evil spirit, that dog all of a sudden hadn't barked, the growl, the dog's like, to pick up on that, to pick up on all them demons. I feel, I, I feel demons. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you something. But the spiritual man, spiritually mature, the spiritual woman, spiritually mature, you ought to tell somebody, I'm spiritually mature. Judges all things, questions, examines, and applies what the Spirit reveals. Yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. They can't understand what you're doing. Listen, last verse. I got to get to verse 16. I'm going to jump off this. For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have, you have, I have the mind of Christ, which allows me to be guided by his thoughts and his purposes. I've got the mind of Christ. That's who I am. That's who you are. I want to start out right there. I want to start out. Let's get it in your spirit. That's, who, that's your identity. That's your identity. With that identity, I need to go to God in prayer. And my intention is what's next important. Number two, my intention. What is your intention? Hold that right there. What is your intention when you pray? What, what are you there for? Why are you praying? I, I seem to believe, thank you, Doc. I seem to believe that many people pray. They go to God in prayer, and I've used the term transactionally. They go to God, this is what I need, this is what you deliver. This is what I want, this is what you deliver. And, and let me tell you this, there's nothing wrong with that. Look, I've been praying for, for my son in the ministry, and I'm telling God, this is what I want. I want the deliverance. If it's not his time, I believe in the name of Jesus. He's going to walk out of the blood. of We've been, we've been interceding, so don't, don't think I'm talking against intercessory prayer or even transactional prayer. What I'm suggesting is that can't be the only praying you're doing. And we've gotten, you look, we have mistaken some of the good teachings of, of the prosperity gospel movement that, that have come forth to teach us how to, how to speak it into existence and name it and claim it. We've mistaken that to believe that's the only teaching. There's other teaching in the same movement, but we don't hear that because we, we only gravitate towards that which was going to get us what we want right away. So, okay, do I need five steps to get this and six steps to get that and seven steps to get this? And no, the problem is that all I'm taking then from that teaching is how to get what I want. I'm in the give me, give me, give me mode. Well, you know, you got to do better than that. Instead, your intention ought to be found. John 4, 24. John 4, 24. He said, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Your intention must be to worship. Your intention must be to worship. To be still and know that I'm God is to be worshiping. It's to be worshiping. It's to be before him. Recognizing that God is busy. God is moving. Uh, I know uh, some of you, uh, you grew up in those households where uh, there were times when you had to be still, you know, when, it, when the lightning started going and you hear thunder and lightning going on and then they, they tell you, be still, child. God is talking. Well, I'm not sure that's God talking. But, but I can tell you this. We need to learn how to be still without the lightning flashing and without the thunder rolling. We need to be still and worship God. So I say pray intercessory. Paul puts it this way. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I'm going to tell you how to pray. He says, I can tell you to pray in the spirit and then pray with understanding. There's no either or. We, we are so binary in our thinking that we, we always want to have an either or. Either you got to pray it this way or you got to be that. No, you don't. 
There are multiple ways to pray. And one of the ways that you ought to continuously pray and to live in prayer is to live and pray the contemplative life. To live and pray in the spirit all the time. You can't walk around. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you now, they, they, they've got a place for you if you do it. You can't walk around all day walking through downtown talking about how, 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 whoa, we're going to be a little nervous. You can't be, look, you can't walk around yelling and interceding down, down Main Street. Now, there may be someday God tells you that that's something he's going to do. He want to call a prayer meeting right now, and we're going to stand in front of the hospitals and pray. But, that, but that's not a daily activity. That's not what he's called for. When he says we ought to pray without ceasing, he's talking about worshiping God, living a prayerful life. And what I'm talking about now in this contemplative type of prayer, I'm talking about being still before God, entering into the silence before God, and letting everything else go so that you can be in his presence. I'm going to close this out. I'm going to work through this, this last section, this last section, uh, so that I can get this all clear. And, and I tell you that your intention will speak to your interaction. Intention speaks to interaction. Interaction. Intention. What you intend when you're praying will speak to your interaction. You're going to get out of it apart with your what you intend. You go in there intending to, to just get a good little piece of whatever joy you looking for. You get it and you, you're done. But you want the deeper things, you may have to rest a while. Stay in his presence for a moment. Your interaction in, in, the, in the spirit realm, in the supernatural beyond nature. The supernatural beyond nature. Uh, your capacity, my capacity to move to another realm of conscious awareness of God and, and, and the God consciousness is what we need to work towards. To, to move to, to another realm of conscious awareness of God and God consciousness. The, the ability to set aside soul thought. And again, we, you, you picture the soul, I've talked about it before, with all of its, 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 its will and intellect, emotions, and, and all of the con things that are in there. To get beyond that, my soul thought to a consciousness of spirit. That place is the place that is beyond material and even beyond the time-space world. In that place, in that position, na nature is set aside to facilitate identification with the spirit. Nature is set aside. Nature, what do you mean when you say nature? I mean uh, carnality the flesh, even the soulish mind, my, my reckless thoughts, my, my, my wandering thoughts, my worry, my woe. I set everything aside to facilitate the identification with the Spirit. And let me say this. This inactivity of nature is not normal. My nature, my, my natural self, the natural self is used to being in control. My natural self is used to being self-directed. So that the inactivity of nature has to be worked on because it opens the door to the activity of spirit in the realm beyond time. The inactivity of nature opens the door to the realm of spirit beyond the realm of time so that I, I get to the place where moments cease and the ephemeral or transitory mind is relaxed for the mind of the spirit. I give up the temporary for, for something greater. I, I put that aside, my nature. And you must be aware that, that there are uh, there are two yous, there are two selves, 
inside of you. Um, Paul, the apostle in the seventh chapter of Romans, fixed the, the argument and the depth of the battle, and he says, inside of me there are wars, inside me that is inside of my members, a war going on. That in my flesh, I got one thing happening. But in my spirit, I have another thing happening. And, and, and in truth, in truth, some of you are unwittingly and none the wiser that you've been losing the battle. You, in some cases, have not even known there was a battle. And in some cases, you had already surrendered, so there was no need for a battle. What you have to know is that we've got to get to the mind of the Spirit. You see, the ebb and flow of life is resistant to anything that moves out of its line of consent. Let me, let me say that again. This is, this is the thought I've been processing today. I, I have mused over this, uh, and I want to make sure you get this right. The ebb and flow of life is resistant to anything that moves out of its line of consent. Consent, that means it's a line of approval. See, it wants to make consent based on the, the analysis of the soul. The soul analysis wants to be involved. It wants to use the information, data, and experience so that it can process it through reason. And once processed through reason, what will come back will not be spirit. My biggest problem is to get that mind out of the way to receive the mind of God. Now, now, I'm not talking about dismissing reason when it comes to business and, and employment and all the other things. That's not what we're talking about. Stay spiritual for a moment. What I'm talking about is the things that God will do for you other people will not understand. Okay, let me give this to you. Um, someone loses a loved one that's very close, and, and this is a season of great tragedy, and they're able to tap into this teaching I'm talking about. Or someone's very sick that they love, and they're able to tap into this teaching. And they go to God in prayer. They spend, God, spend time with God in prayer. And they leave the prayer moment with a Hannah experience where they now have this bliss before the blessing. They've got bliss before the blessing. They, they feel better. Not that they're not grieved. The grief is still there. The grief has to be worked through and handled. But, but they, they have a peace. And the peace is the kind of peace that other rational minds looking at them would wonder why aren't you on the floor wallowing now? Why haven't you lost it now? Why haven't you, and, but, but they have a peace. The Bible describes such peace as surpassing all understanding. Check this out surpassing all reason because the rational mind processing the same information of what has taken place has no ability to take that information after it's taken care of and reasoned through it has no ability to say that all these add up to peace because they don't they add up to anxiousness, nervousness, tears, overwhelming, flooded with emotion. They don't add up to peace. They're not, they're not a part of a good reason. No. But once I have put the Spirit of God into my situation, 
I don't have to worry about what my rational mind might process this to be. Because what I realize is my spirit has aligned itself with the divine. And the spirit of the living God, spirit to spirit, has taken me, even in my flesh, into the presence of God and placed me before the Prince of Peace. And the Prince of Peace has put peace in my soul in a non-peaceful situation. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. It won't make sense because it is spirit and therefore spiritually discerned. You see, my interaction, and, and, and I, I know I've got to hurry up. I only have a few more moments left with you. My interaction is dependent on my intentionality. My intentionality. Since the mind is resistant to spirit, particularly in decision making, because its function apart from spirit has been the guidance of my life and matter. Okay? Now, I know I'm, 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 I'm praising this. I, I have... Uh, let me put it like this. My, my mind, my soulish mind, and I use soul and mind interchangeably because that's, that's where it resides. My soulish mind works through a thing. It's used to working through things. It's used to making decisions. It has been the place where all of the facts, information, data, and experiences of my life have all come to coalesce. And it's from there that we make a decision and we go forward. And so now when you say, I'm going to try to be guided by the spirit, I have become comfortable with the known, which is the guidance of my mind. And now you are seeking to reorient me to, a, to, to relinquish mind control for God control. You're asking me to reorient myself, to, to relinquish what I've done my whole life and say, God, I'm going to let you be in control. I'm, I'm going to let you have command. And, and, and the soul, which is so used to making the greater part of the contribution, is upset. To suggest that it relinquish control command and contribution to process is an anathema to the flesh and soul. The soul says, I can't. This is what I do. No, this is what you did before I had spirit. But I've got, listen, I've got this thing called the Holy Ghost. I've got the Pericletos. I've got the Comforter. In my, I've got something in me that is, well, let me tell you, the Holy Ghost can't comfort you if you resist spirit for flesh. This is when Jesus suggests that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. In effect, when Jesus says the Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth, when we, in effect, what he's saying to the soul is sit this one out. And the soul automatically resists. Sit this one out and it resists. It resists. It resists. It does not want to sit it out. It does not want to, I got something to say. No, you don't. Not in this one. It wants to speak up. No, you don't. Hush up. Flesh be still. You have nothing to say with this one. The Lord is working here. The soul keeps saying, consistently saying, I know better. For example, through memory it says that this is what you like. This is how we did it successfully in the past. This is your favorite. This is your favorite color. This is your style. This is your response to aggression. This is how we respond to appetite and on and on and on. The soul says, I have a lifetime of functional data and experience. Trust me. And the spirit says, you cannot trust your flesh. 
You cannot trust your soul. The spirit is our connection to all that was and all that ever will be. You can choose. This is a big one here. This is a big one. I'm about to bless you here. You can choose to be limited to the transitory or the transcendent. You can choose to be limited to the transitory or the transcendent. And you, it's your choice. I, I, um, I was thinking through this the other day, and let me make this example if I can. Um, your, your computer, uh, many of you are watching me on one now. It has hardware and software on it. Uh, and it has memory, and you you pay for your computer. You know, you can pay for that computer based on how much memory you want with it. And so the greater the capacity of memory, the greater the, the cost of the computer. But each computer is limited by uh, capacity of what it can contain and information and terabytes or gigabytes or whatever the latest name. You can get an external hard drive, but even the external hard drive is limited by how much data it can hold. Yeah. But, but if I take the same computer, connect it to the Internet, I can do searches. I can search libraries full of thousands of books. Uh, we, we use at the seminary, the Digital Theological Library, DTL, and, and in it are thousands of books of theology, thousands of books of, 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 of Christology and epistemology and pneumatology, every kind of ology you want, thousands of books there. I jokingly said to one person the other day, my, my iPad, I have a, a library at home with books around the walls of, of collections of, of things that I purchased over the years of different commentaries I wanted to use for studying and what have you. And, and everything on my walls now can be contained in my, in my little iPad. And what can't be contained there, I can, watch it again, search and go out and be connected to thousands. Well, let me just say it this way. The spirit in you is just like the spirit in that iPad, that computer, limited. But guess what? You can connect with the spirit. You can connect with God and therefore move from having access in your limited self to the divine grand access that was in the world before the world was ever made. The divine access to he who called all into existence that exists. You can have access to that which is not created that belongs inside of you. You can have access to the universe. And you give that up for the limited access of your feeble experience and your knowledge. You see, the spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, functioning in time and beyond time simultaneously. So that tapping into divine omniscience is the ultimate level of spirit human into action. Tapping into divine omniscience is the ultimate level of spirit human interaction. The way of divine human interaction is through spirit. Your spirit must be made available to the great spirit of God. This we reach the point now of understanding intention. What is your intention when you pray? Communion or conversation? 
let go of your conversation and enter communion. I want to give you a good word. Here's a good word. This is the word I need to close on. Let go of your conversation enter into communion. You'll get all that you need. You'll get word. You'll get wisdom. You'll get to know his will. And you will get the right spirit in which to live into the image of God that you were created to be. Enter. Pray. Empty yourself and be filled with the Spirit. And in so doing, you will be filled with the very presence of God. The quiet mind for troubled times. Think about it. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still. Be. This is what he wants. Be before the Lord. Present. So that he can direct you. My ancestors and many of yours used to sing, let Jesus lead you. Let him lead you all the way. He's a mighty good leader. I want to put it to you like this. When you are still enough and you rest in God long enough, you will be mature enough that you will be able to sense and know the divine presence in a deeper, more authentic, revelatory, enlightened, awakened way. The quiet mind for troubled times. This is the word of the Lord. Amen.